My heart has said to thee, I have sought thy face. Thy face, O Lord, I will seek, and turn not away thy face from me. Psalm 26, the words from today's intro. It. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. There are two types of sorrow for wrongdoing. Remorse and contrition. Each of them deals with guilt in a different way. Now, when I talk about sin, I do not only mean that sin we committed this morning or last night, but all the sins which may have gathered in our hearts and weigh us down. That is why when the priest cries out, Sursum Corda, lift up your hearts, it is so hard for some to do just that. We bear in our lives the scars of sin, the garbage of sin, the angry words spoken to a member of the family they can be retracted, but not erased. The past problems with alcohol or sex, stealing from our place of work, hatred shown to people because of a handicap or an ethnic origin other than our own. That is hard to bear. We are like Lady Macbeth, crying, out, damn spot, out. But it won't go away. We know all too bitterly well that what the poet said is true. The moving finger writes, and having writ, moves on. Nor all thy pity nor wit shall lure it back to cancel half a line, nor all thy tears wash out a word of it. Remorse and contrition are two responses to the burden of sin or guilt. Remorse is a sense of guilt, a painful regret for actions done unrelated to God. Contrition is spiritual sorrow for sin as an offense against God and turning to him who is both merciful and just for pardon. Remorse gives way to sleepless nights to further sin, to escape in drugs and alcohol, to despair. Contrition gives way to confession of sin and absolution and to hope. Remorse seeks out therapy. Contrition seeks out 
the confessional. In his second letter to the Corinthians, St. Paul describes both of these. I rejoice not because you were grieved, but because you were grieved into repenting for you felt a godly grief. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation and brings no regret, but worldly grief produces death. For see what earnestness that godly grief has produced in you, what eagerness to clean yourselves, what indignation, what alarm, what longing, what zeal, what punishment. The type of grief which is not godly, which is really not grief, it is remorse. The guilt stays within and never sleeps. It does not abide serenely. It rages, it sees, it quickens to despondency. It causes insomnia, constant irritability, persistent illness. We try to rid ourselves of remorse by explaining it away or by talking it away. As you see on television, just talk shows, they try to talk it away, but it will not go away. Judas Iscariot is an example of remorse. His treacherous act of betrayal soon caught up to him, and when he at last realized what he had done, what did he do? He repented. He repented, the Bible says, but he repented unto himself. That is, he turned on himself and thus ended up committing suicide. Now Judas could have gone to the one he betrayed, who at the moment of betrayal had called him friend. He could have gone to the Lord who had bathed his feet at the Last Supper and ask him to wash his soul. But Judas would not. Instead, he went to his accomplices in his sin and confesses to them, I have sinned in betraying innocent blood and he gives them the money back. The example of godly grief is Saint Peter. Peter repented and Jesus absolved him. The Greek verb Saint Matthew uses for Jesus' repentance is not the same as used for Peter. With Peter, it is metanoian, 
which is a traditional verb used for repentance, for con conversion of heart. The word used for Judas is less intense. Peter had perfect contrition. And while remorse leads to self-destructive vices, such as worry, envy, jealousy, indignation, perfect contrition leads to consolation. St. Augustine said, the penitent shall ever grieve and rejoice at his grief. What does one do when they have godly grief, of which St. Paul wrote? One confesses their sins in the confessional to a priest, and through his instrumentality, Christ forgives, pardons, absolves. What a priceless treasure we have as Catholics, and our little, we take advantage of it. Dr. Carl Menninger, the renowned psychiatrist and founder of the Menninger Clinics, wrote, many functional neuroses are indications of a hidden but not forgotten history of serious misconduct which had not been completely acknowledged, atoned for, propitiated, or otherwise canceled out. And if this be so, then confession, expiation, and a new life in Christ have a practical pertinence which far exceeds the boundaries which some theologians have attempted to hold them. Let me give you an example of telling us a, a story. There once was a woman who was married, the mother of several children. While her husband was on a business trip, she attended a party with several of her business associates. With, she was attracted to one young man in particular with whom she then had a brief adulterous affair. She ended the affair, but she could not get the episode out of her mind. She ended the affair, but it was still with her. She had committed adultery against her husband and indeed against her entire family. She lost sleep over it. She wept copiously over it. She started to drink heavily. She was so ashamed. So she went to see a psychiatrist, Dr. Philip Herzog, who listened to her pour out her agony of shame. She saw him for several weeks, 
And Dr. Herzog finally told her, Louise, you did a horrible thing, and you now feel the agony of your actions. But there is nothing I can do to heal you. Your problem is of a different kind than what I deal with. But I know someone who can help you. I will give you the name of a man. And he took out a piece of paper, wrote down the name. He's a Presbyterian minister. He will bring you some peace. Louise went to see the minister and she told him of her sin and the tremendous burden of grief she was bearing. He held her hand and displayed uncommon compassion. But he then said, Louise, you're living a living hell. You want peace and to free yourself from a painful past. I cannot help you. But I know of someone who can. He took out a piece of paper and wrote the name. I suggest you see him. His name is Dr. Herzog. What the woman wanted was absolution. To know that God himself, the omnipotent, omnipresent, perfect and just judge, had pardoned her totally and had embraced her. As St. John tells us in his first epistle, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The playwright, the author, Oscar Wilde, led a notorious and sinful life. Toward the end of his life, after he left prison, he entered the Catholic Church. And he wrote, Come down, O Christ, and help me. Reach thy hand, for I am drowning in a stormier sea than Simon on the lake of Galilee. The wine of life is spilled upon the sand. My heart is as some famine-murdered land whence all good things have perished utterly. And well I know my soul in hell must lie if I this night before God's throne should stand. Nay, peace I shall behold before the night. The feet of brass, the robe more white than flame, 
the wounded hands, the weary human face. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost.